Portal from Facebook is a video calling device that makes you feel like you're actually in the room with the person you're talking to. It uses smart camera and sound technology to completely untether you. That way, you forget the portal is even there, leading to real conversations that deepen your connection to the people you love. Hi, Mom. How's it going? The video calling device designed to bring people closer. Share something real. Portal from Facebook. At Target, your dollar goes further. You'll find great deals and low prices on everything your family needs, like a 9-ounce package of Good & Gather Deli Lunch Meat, just $2.59. And that's just the start. At Target, the low prices never end. Prices may vary. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Well, if you have trouble figuring out why you have uh, relationship problems uh, in your marriage or with your companion, you will have, I'm hoping, some light bulb moments during this show because today we have on two couples who are on the brink of breaking up and they spent two intense days trying to turn it around with one of the best couples therapists I've ever met. Dr. Harville Hendricks really is the best I have ever come across. Y'all know I've talked to a lot of people in 20 years. Uh, he's the best at explaining how marriage works, and you've helped me so much in my relationship, really. He is the author of Getting the Love You Want, which I think is the best book on this subject ever, Getting the Love You Want, especially if you're going into a relationship. Harville, you say that if you are disappointed and you are frustrated, you are unhappy with your marriage, it could be a good sign. Yes, it is a good sign because it means growth is trying to happen. Means growth is trying to happen. Growth is trying to happen. I'm frustrated! Yes. Yeah, to grow out of that. Right, all frustration is rooted in unfinished business in childhood and also defenses that were developed in childhood. All frustration. All frustration. I I, I have to correct that. All chronic, repetitive frustration. All chronic, repetitive frustration. You know, like you're always late, you're never there. You don't uh, pay enough attention to me. You don't pay enough attention. Yeah. Stuff that's just said over and over again. Uh, What's being expressed there is something that's rooted in a frustration in childhood of a parent who wasn't available, a parent who wasn't reliable. So when you get married, there's an activation of those unfinished needs. And so... In marriage, it's going to come up. And what and you really mean is that you have felt that feeling before. When you yes, have these chronic feelings where you're feeling, I don't get enough attention, right. you're ignoring me, or you always do it that right. way, always, 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 that you have felt that before. You have felt that before. And most likely, that was in your childhood. And most likely, that was in your childhood. And so you have drawn to yourself. This is what's so fascinating yes. about getting the love you want. It's miraculous how this happens. You then draw to yourself the partner who really brings up your greatest frustrations yes. and your other stuff too. And your other stuff yeah, too, some, yes. And so yeah, the good you, stuff as the well. The good stuff as well, but your no. frustrations. It's the frustrations. All because, and you're drawn to that almost like through some electrical thing, it you feels know, like. It, it's, it's an amazing, it's, that's the romantic love piece. It's almost like you have a, an unconscious sensor and you're just wandering around searching the world and all of a sudden there's that person who's going to be just right to become your nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> And because they're going to invite you into those parts of you that didn't grow in childhood and activate all those wounds that you had and all the unmet needs, all the defenses that you developed. Yeah. 
And uh, they'll start off as being, of course, the person of your dreams, but they become the person of your nightmare, and you have to go through that stage before they actually the dream is restored. And that, the person of your dreams, because you say romance is really an anesthetic. Romance is really an anesthetic. Yeah. That is. When you, <laughs> yes, when you, when you fall in love, you actually, there seems like a part of our minds prevents us from seeing the negative traits and the people that we're drawn to until we get bonded. Uh -huh. When we get bonded to them, then it's like the anesthetic wears off and you right. look, oh my God, there's that <laughs> depression in my mother, the anger in my father, the yeah. perfectionism in my father or whatever. You see it all. And you see it all. And in, you say, in unless, you're gonna, unless you marry for money, you can't marry the wrong person. That's right. If you fall in love, your unconscious is picking the right person. <laughs> Yeah. And if you're married for money, maybe that's the right thing for you, but it, it won't be a gross relationship. It but if you be. fall in love, if you fall in love, you fall in love with a person who is there to help you heal that's right. yourself. Seems like nature has set it up that the romantic attraction experience is a way that we are drawn to the right person for our maximal personal healing and personal growth. Okay. So I want you to meet Debbie and John. Debbie says that she is starved for affection and has problems trusting <clears throat> John. He says Debbie is needy and he is frustrated with her constant demands and her insecurities. You may see yourself in Debbie and John. John and I have been married three and a half years. For most of those years, it's been an emotional roller coaster. On a daily basis, I think she, she'll make comments. I am insensitive, or I'm not affectionate enough. He called me jealous, out of control, freaky, told me I needed to be medicated. I'm tired of you pushing me away. I'm tired of you hurting my feelings. You're making me look like I'm some kind of cold, heartless person. I feel like I'm just being kind of graded here, tested, scored, and I don't, I don't like that. If I cry in front of him, he calls me a baby. He tells me that I'm trying to control the situation. Sometimes I get irritated, to be honest with you. We just recently actually had an argument where we went three days without speaking. If I had to rate my marriage on a scale of one to 10, I would give it probably about a seven. About a four. I would rate my sex life probably about a three. I would rate our sex life a zero. I hear my girlfriends say how they can't keep their husband off them in the bedroom. Night, hon. Good night. I can't even get my husband to come over to my side of the bed. Her self-esteem drives me absolutely crazy. He's very hung up about having a heavy wife. I've never, ever told her that you're fat or you're overweight. My wife has asked me why I don't have any pictures of her in the car. I believe he hides a lot of things from me. John, for quite some time, was emailing back and forth with a female coworker. I don't feel like a married man should be carrying on with another married woman. I've never cheated. I've never gone out dating with other women. I don't go to bars. I don't believe that John has ever cheated on me, but I believe that John has very much pushed the envelope. One of the things that John did that was very hurtful to me was not wearing his wedding ring. If we're going out somewhere, whereas when I was at home, I took it off. If you're not going to wear a wedding ring, then I don't think we have anything left to talk about. After a while, it started to become uncomfortable on my hand and it felt good to take it off. A couple weeks later told me that he lost the ring and I told him, okay, Christmas is coming for Christmas. That's what you're getting is a wedding ring. And he said, go ahead, I'm not gonna wear it. That just cut me like a knife. I just don't understand why she doesn't trust me. He's done a lot of things that I feel um, you don't do in a marriage. And I, I honestly, I 
I want to trust my husband, but I don't. I wish she would just realize that I love her and she needs to learn somehow to trust me more. We need to get right with each other and, and get back to some of that passion that's uh, obviously been missing. If I thought jumping off the roof of my house would help our marriage, I would absolutely do it. I don't want to walk away, I don't want to be a quitter, and I do not want to give up. Okay, what happened in this workshop that led Debbie to what she says is the most intimate moment she and John have ever shared? They spent an emotional two days and an intensive couples workshop, which is based on the book, Getting the Love You Want, with Harville Hendricks. And one of the goals of this first exercise is to identify the specific ways the couple's dreams for the marriage had failed and uncover their one deepest desire that remains unfulfilled. My dream is that I would feel safe and never be pushed away when I was feeling sad or emotional or needed affection or even intimacy. I was just hoping that you would love me unconditionally. I wanted to keep the momentum that we had going into the way. I wanted to keep that momentum going. I wanted to feel comfortable with the fact that both of us could be our own person within the marriage and not feel like the other was pushing or, or trying to change that person too much. I still don't feel like I'm totally being heard or even that he still totally understands where I'm coming from. I don't know that he's even emotional enough to go there. It doesn't surprise me that she says she doesn't believe that I'm sincere about this, but you know, I'm here and I'm, I'm trying as hard as I can. Harville says the exercise that Debbie and John did on day two helped them make a critical connection between the conflict in their marriage and the pain in their childhood. But they say they started the second day discouraged after arguing the night before at the hotel. Look at this, this is what really happened. I was really feeling frustrated last night after the work that we had done yesterday. I really was almost feeling angry at him. I'm not feeling any different than I did when I got off that plane. If he's not going to really dig deep, what are we even doing here? I just want to get this over with. Earlier, John identified his major frustration in the marriage. I wanted to feel comfortable with the fact that both of us could be our own person within the marriage and not feel like the other was pushing or, or trying to change that person too much. In order to connect that conflict back to an earlier childhood wound, Dr. Hendricks had Debbie play the role of John's parents when he was a frustrated eight-year-old. Living with you can seems so restrictive all the time. I, I feel like I'm different because I can't mingle with some of the other kids. I can't explore that because you won't let me go hang out and, and, and attempt to uh, mingle and, and try out for some of these activities. Like I really didn't have much of a childhood. Remember, John is now role-playing as an eight-year-old, talking to his parents, not his wife. And it would be really nice to to make some bonds with some of these friends, these school kids that hang out, they, I like them, they don't understand why at the end of the day I gotta head right home. They don't get that, and I don't either. It frustrates me, and I don't get it. I don't understand why it's not able to do that. It's not, it's not fair, fair at all. Say it loud. It's not fair. 
It is not fair that you guys won't let me go out for any sport. More of our conversation in just a moment. There's a clean home, and then there's a home that's clean AF. I meant clean and fresh, of course. And the difference is cleaning your home with Pine Sol. Having a clean home is now more important than ever. So why mess around with anything else? Pine Sol cleans and disinfects, so you know that when you smell that clean pine scent, your home is clean AF. That's right, clean and fresh. What'd you think I meant? Pine Sol. It's that kind of clean. Finally, John and Debbie were able to understand the real cause behind all of their arguments. It's not that I'm pushing you away, per se. It's more that I'm trying to be an individual because I never really get a chance to be an individual at all. I have goosebumps. This is mm. big. <laughs> I just, I don't feel like it's so personal. I, I felt like it was something wrong with me. Mm. I, I think I didn't really know either. I thought I knew my husband, but I really didn't. John and I have been together five years, and I feel like today I really know my husband. I was able to get out some feelings that I really didn't even have any idea were there, but yet now looking back, I'm like, wow, why didn't I do this before? It was an absolute shock to me to hear him talk and, and to hear him dig deep and to hear him talk about his hurt. I felt like that was one of the most intimate moments that we had ever had, even more intimate than actually conceiving our son. Wow, that's a pretty powerful statement. <laughs> Debbie, that was two days ago. How are you feeling now? I really feel like I am a new woman. I mean, not only do I feel like I can be an incredible wife, I feel like I'm a better parent. I feel like I'm a better person. And I really feel like for the first time I understand myself. It really makes me laugh to think, how could John possibly understand me when I didn't understand me? What happened here, Dr. Hendricks? Well, what happened here, and in my view, is that um, both partners in this relationship began to move from outside themselves to inside each other into the validation place. Yeah. And even got to uh, the, the next deepest level of connection, which is an empathic response. Because not only did they understand the sort of inner workings of each other's mind, but began to experience inside themselves what it must feel like to be the other person. Next, it was Debbie's turn. Take a look at how she connects her feelings of insecurity in her marriage back to abuse she, that she had witnessed growing up. John is role-playing the part of her father. Take a look. I, I just felt horror, and, and I felt like you were going to come and get me. I felt like scared doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of how I felt. I was very reluctant to get those things out and felt very nervous. Debbie then shifted her focus to her biological father, who she says abandoned her family. I know that you always denied me. And when you were on your deathbed, you wanted to prove once and for all that I wasn't your child. I actually felt relieved that you passed away because you weren't on this earth anymore to hurt anyone. Once I started rolling with it, I felt like it was the right thing because holding all of these things in have been very destructive to me and very destructive to John. I hate you. For 
God's sakes, I cannot even begin to understand how you can walk away from two beautiful, innocent children. I hate to think that any ounce of you runs through me. I'm taking control back. You have been... Show him your power. You have been a poison, and I won't have that in my life. I feel so good because I've held those things in for so long. Next, Dr. Hendricks helped Debbie connect her unresolved childhood wounds to her unfulfilled expectations of John. Now I understand why you didn't feel love. The rejection of my father and not understanding that rejection. That's what's probably been very hard for me. And so that's why, without a shadow of a doubt, I want him to profess his love all the time. It is going to really help me in that I've always thought that she was maybe being too clingy sometimes. She just needs a lot of reassurance and a lot of love. Uh, and she needs me to show her that I truly do love her and that I'm not going to be gone tomorrow and I'm not going to reject her. I really think that that's going to help me put some demons to rest. I feel overwhelmed with love towards my husband. I want to hug him and I want to maul him. I want to get out of here and get back to our hotel. <laughs> <laughs> we all got that. Was <laughs> uh, that a little too much info? No, uh, no. I'm very happy to know. That, was the hotel nice? I feel like I can. Uh, I feel like I can share anything with you. I appreciate it. So, did you all get that though? That when John is not affectionate towards Debbie, it makes her feel unworthy, unloved, rejected, just like when you were growing up. That's why him taking off the ring would be like your father walking out on you. Correct? Yes. Yeah. When, when he took off the ring, I really felt like he was done and he didn't want to be with me yeah. and he wanted to look like a single man. Yeah. But he didn't have the guts to say, you're not the woman for me. That's yeah. exactly how I took it. Yeah. Yeah. And how, what, what connected with you in that process of Debbie sharing, opening up that way? It was amazing. It completely made sense. It connected everything, that the trust issue. And I feel like if I start to fall back into something like that, I can clearly have something to... Uh, remember and, and focus on. But didn't you know that about her father? You must have known she was abandoned by her father, right? I did, but I guess I didn't know that it was, I thought it was so long ago, kind of like my stuff. Yeah. I, it was so long ago that it really didn't affect us now. And yeah. I, boy, I'm I sure it was wrong. Yeah. Isn't it true, Harville, that until you heal the wounds of your past, you continue to bleed? Absolutely. And, and, and the, you bleed in every you bleed in areas that you don't even know you're bleeding. You bleed as a workaholic. You bleed as right. an alcoholic. You bleed as a person who always appears to be needy. You bleed right. as a person who is distant, shuts down themselves. Right. You're bleeding. Right. Like in childhood, what happens, and this is sort of the centerpiece concept in imago therapy, is that something gets split off from you. So you lose some part of yourself in the wound, and then uh, and then you fill it with all the things that you were talking about. Yeah until you refill it with yourself, which you can only do in a committed partnership where yeah. you do the dialogue process. And that's why you know that if you're in any relationship that you have fallen in love, that you have personally chosen for yourself, yeah. that that relationship is in your life to help you heal all of that stuff. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about it is that that's in your life to help you heal that, that somehow it's nature's reparative process to bring us together with that kind of romantic energy so we get bonded enough that we will then go through this process in order to reach the empathic level. Yeah. That and this is, the, this is what the real spiritual process is about. And one the of the reasons why I like your book so much is because I, over the years, have done, you know, every kind of 
interview there is possible with couples and so forth. And the mistake that people have made is they think that marriage is to live happily ever after. Oh. And not to heal the wound. Yes, right. You know, because Erica Kane did that to the public, I think. As the world <laughs> turns, all my children, people think it's about living happily living ever happily after. Ever which I think it was packaged differently. If we, everybody would just tell the truth about it. Really, you got the pretty dress and the whole big thing. You're stepping <clears> into <throat> a life to heal your wounds. Maybe not so many people would do it. Well, it's, um, I, I really am happy to hear you say that because when you think of marriage as that, then it's like, well, that's just a sort of self-centered thing. But it's the byproduct of the fact that marriage is a healing process. Yeah, it's and supposed to be. And when you think about it as a healing process, it makes you a better person, makes you a better parent. Marriage then also becomes a means of healing the world. Right. Because every time you have a better person with more empathy, they become empathic for the world. Their children grow up feeling empathic and hold, and those children then will not uh, engage in violence or experience depression. But the reason depression. so many marriages fall apart is because people get frustrated, I think. You get yes. stuck in the frustration because this isn't what the picture this was in your picture. head. This is not the picture. The picture in your head nor the picture in the culture about right. what it's supposed yeah. to be. But the real picture is you're marrying to heal. Marrying to heal each other's childhood wounds, to grow into your wholeness, and to become a contributor to the transformation of society. Okay, now let's meet Rosita and Derek, the other couple in the workshop. Rosita says Derek always needs to be right, and Derek says she refuses to face what is really going on in their marriage. In August of last year, Derek moved out. He was just so unhappy. Although he loved me and the children, this was one of the hardest things he had to do. I love her dearly, and I would love for our marriage to work. However, I see no resolution. Our marriage has been in trouble since day one. Everything you do is lackadaisical. It was a power struggle. He wanted to do things his way. Do you have a list? You never have a list. I wanted to do things my way. No, I didn't make a list. I, I just need some film. That's all I need. We butted heads quite often. Here we go again. Every day, something new. Not be anything for you to get pissed if off about. If it didn't happen every day, I wouldn't get pissed off about it. It doesn't happen every day. It you... does happen every Derek, day. He focuses on all the bad times. I focus on the good times, and that's probably one of the big problems that we have. There was always the, the great pretension that she was happy, and I knew in my heart that she wasn't. We'll fight, and he'll say things like, "You're crazy. You're stupid." You wouldn't be anywhere without me. She says things that are very harmful and hurtful to me as a father. He does say that I don't work hard enough at this relationship, but I feel like I can't be him. I, I, sometimes I feel like he wants a duplicate of himself. And I'm human, and I'm going to make mistakes. But since I'm not Derek Leonard, you know, you don't make mistakes. I'm the first one to admit that I'm not perfect as well, and I don't expect perfection out of her. The times in the bedroom haven't always been nice from day one. She has never turned me down. However, she does not initiate. It leaves self-doubt in my mind. And when I'm feeling like that, I feel like I don't know if I can go on another 20, 30 years feeling like less than a man. My husband expects me to look lovely all the time and then still have time to devote to him. I need you to move like you appreciate the help that I'm giving you. And I need you to ease up a little bit. When I talk about divorce, she gets angry. Sometimes she gets violent. 
Separate from the problems, she's a beautiful person inside and out. I would love for someone to step in and say, okay, here's where your problems lie. I would hate for us not to make it. We're hoping that something can come out of all of the pain and the suffering. I would definitely give up everything that I have to be happily married. We're doing the intense two-day workshop with Harville. Emotions were running high when Rosita and Derek took a hard look at the state of their marriage. I feel like I have to defend myself. Derek and Rosita were ready to get into it from the start. They even went head to head in the hallway during the first break. My husband and I were definitely having a difference of opinion. I feel like she's trying to get me to agree with something that I just don't agree with. In their first exercise, Derek and Rosita talked about the dream each one had for their marriage. In my dream, I felt like as long as we were together and as long as we were a team, that all of that other stuff wouldn't matter. And that's just what my idea of marriage was all about. They also talked about the parts of the dream that did come true. Harville says that's an important way to open the door to greater intimacy. I appreciate the relationship. that you have with my mom. The relationship that you had with with my grandmother. I was astonished. I've only seen him cry once before. And so to see him break down, I was just kind of happy to see him show that emotion because I find myself being the one that's always showing that emotion. I've seen her cry many times. Sometimes I don't feel that it's genuine. I feel like she does put on a show for people. Totally not true. I'm just genuinely a sensitive person. I actually don't like to cry. Harville says validating your partner is crucial in a successful marriage. Yes. Um, validating because if, if you don't validate your partner, you essentially make them go away. Mm -hmm. That is, you say that there's only one reality, and the reality is mine. And that is, is suppressive. It even can become abusive. It, validation says there are two people in the world, which is the fact of the matter. There are two people in the world. There are multiple peoples in the world. Diversity is a reality of life. So that one of the growth pieces that we all have to do in our relationships is to struggle I know I struggled through with Helen with myself, even writing the theory, still having to come to understand validation, is that validation is the essential to developing wholeness, healing, and empathy and intimacy. And without that, you can forget having a relationship because there's only one person there. Well, we just heard that Derek didn't feel appreciated in the marriage and Rosita didn't feel accepted or no. validated. Harville helped Rosita connect those feelings back to childhood when she was rejected by her older siblings. Derek is role-playing the part of her family. Look. I don't understand why y'all didn't like me. I loved y'all, and I always wanted, you know, to be around you. I think the thing that I wanted the most is just for you guys to be excited that I was your little sister and just embrace that. With Harville's help, Rosita made a connection between her childhood feelings of rejection and her marriage. When I first met Derek, I felt very accepted 
after we got married and we started having problems, I feel very conditional that if I'm doing these things, then I accept you. And if you're not doing these things, you're intolerable. And it reminds me of when I was little and I didn't feel part of the team. So what you're saying is after getting married, you started to feel the same way. You felt loved conditionally versus unconditionally. Then it was Derek's turn. Rosita played the role of Derek's father. I can recall being five years old, literally, and coming home with my very first report card and having all A's and you having a look on your face like, okay, well, that's what's expected of you. Then Derek made a powerful connection. I learned that uh, my childhood has a lot more to do with me as an adult than I would have ever imagined. The connection that I see is uh, I expect a lot of myself. I'm also that way with my wife and probably will be with my children. I can clearly see that some of the things I lacked as a child I was looking for in my wife. I eventually felt like no matter what I do, it's not going to be good enough. I'm sorry. I didn't realize how insensitive I was. I disregarded a lot of how you were feeling, and I'm sorry I did that. After the exercise, Derek hugged Rosita and said it wasn't easy. I feel angry. If you are sincerely apologetic, then I have no trouble forgetting about it. But if it's not genuine, then it's going to come up again, and I'm going to get angry about it again when it comes up. More of this episode after a short break. Getting the care you need to stay healthy shouldn't be hard or expensive. Everyone should be able to afford their medications. Check out GoodRx. They'll help you find the lowest price on prescriptions every time. With GoodRx, you can instantly compare prices for your prescription at every pharmacy in your neighborhood and save up to 80%. GoodRx is free and easy to use. And many times it is often cheaper than using your insurance copay or Medicare. With GoodRx, you can find discounts for your prescriptions at over 70,000 pharmacies like CVS, Kroger, Walgreens, Rite Aid, Vons, Walmart, and more. GoodRx is the number one most downloaded medical app. And millions of Americans use GoodRx to get affordable health care every month. Convenience and saving money, those are two things you cannot pass up. Start saving up to 80% on your prescriptions today. Go to GoodRx.com slash Oprah. That's GoodRx.com slash Oprah. GoodRx.com slash Oprah. GoodRx is not insurance, but can be used instead of insurance. In 2020, GoodRx users received an average savings of over 70% of retail prices. Well, what you wanted to do? <laughs> she said, I, no, really, I'm serious. Like, what could she have done or done in a way that would make you feel that she meant what she said? I guess only time will tell. Uh -huh. um, I'd, I'd like to forget about it and put it behind us, but in the past, in our relationship, several things have come up again that I thought were behind us when, mm -hmm. in fact, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that, Harville? Well, I think that... Um, that the, the thing that is happening and that Derek was beginning to understand in the workshop, and granted, we just got started, there's a lot more work to do, 
There's some ways in which Derek relates to uh, Rosita the way his father related to him, and that is nothing is ever really good enough. And so Derek has that uh, as a tape in his head, and he's come to understand that in the workshop. And, you know, the father said, you know, you got the A, now that was what I expected of you. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, wow, that's a great thing to do. You got that. <clears throat> so it's like nothing is ever really good enough, and that's a part of his... Um, uh, growth and relationship here. The thing that was beautiful in this uh, setting was that Rosetta experienced an empathic response to that part of him that was wounded in his own childhood. And then uh, um, Derek, uh, having not had a lot of empathy in his life, wasn't able to receive that empathy and say, hey, well, thanks for feeling that. He didn't trust that. And right. so he sort of gave it back to her. And he says, well, you still got to prove something. You got to make another A on your next exam to prove that you are really doing it right. Yeah, And that's the kind that. of growth that he's um, yeah. in, embarking on right now. And he's, uh, in, you know, in, as we talked during the workshop, he has some more work to do on that. So what was it that we didn't understand? What was it that you were apologizing for, Rosita? Um, well, he was just sharing that, like, early on in our relationship, well, exactly when we first got married, he did all of these wonderful things for me. And I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm supposed to have it. I didn't feel like that was the impression that I gave at all, but it, it's like at 22 years old, uh, you're walking into a home. I was thinking, you know, that's something you may do at 40 is have your home, but I had my own home. I had a brand new car. Um, and you took it right for granted. And yeah. you took it for granted. The same way his father took the grades for granted. Right, and he didn't. And took him for granted. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Harville says until Derek stops being so critical, they will never be able to connect on a deeper level because Rosita will not feel safe. Right. And it's, it's like one of the um, uh, aphorisms that Helen and I use in our relationship is no criticism. There's no place in any uh, intimate partnership, in any marriage, in any relationship for criticism. Has to go. It's out. So when you... And what no do you criticism? Zero criticism. Criticism... <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let, let me, let me drive I mean, the when point. the papers are all over the floor, when you're stepping yes. over them and right. they're stacked right. up against the wall right. and you're, right. you're like, right. you, you're not allowed to say, um, when are these papers going to be cleared well, up? Well, now you can, you, can dis you can talk and you get the problem solved, but criticism is abusive. Okay. Bottom line. Because criticism makes the other person bad. Got you it. shame them, you make them feel guilty, you hurt them emotionally, believing that if you hurt them enough, they, they will, will become wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Whereas what you could say is, hey, you're a lot of papers here on the floor. Could I make a request? Would you be willing to pick up the papers? And, I uh, did that in 1990. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> and they're still on the floor. 19, I started that in 1998. I started that. Okay, well, go ahead. Well, granted, there's a process, but the process is, can we work to solve a problem so we can both live in the same environment and feel safe with each other? Okay. And, and there is a way to do that. There's a crucial communication technique that crucial helps couples technique. like Derek and Rosita avoid painful arguments and reconnect, and that is what? And that's called the behavior change request process. That is, I have a frustration. I want to turn my frustration into a request. And yeah. I want to say, instead of you jerk, why are you throwing the paper all over the floor and always treating me this way? I want to say instead, here's what I would like. I would like to have a room that's clean. I would like the papers to be organized, blah, 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 blah. So you make a request. You state your desire. And then you work with the person through the dialogue process to 
arrive at a behavior which he or she will both change so that you stay connected, stay safe, and solve the problem. Now, does it take a while to learn how to do this? Uh, probably three to five to seven years to do it because we are so into and in our culture, so into believing that if you criticize people enough, they'll change. Yeah. If you criticize a child enough, you'll grow up and be happy. Instead, he will grow up feeling perfectionistic or he'll be depressed. So what we need to do is to learn how to communicate so we connect, so that we can work the problem through, so that we can all feel that we're in a safe, healthy, happy environment. So was this helpful to you guys? It's the beginning. Was it helpful at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The validation part of it was, uh, was huge for me in that Dr. Hendricks taught me that there's, there's, with Rosita and I, there's two different realities. There's my reality and there's her reality. And he taught me to understand and appreciate her reality and to validate it and let her know that I understand that her reality makes sense and to empathize with her. Versus feeling like I'm the only person in America that feels the way I feel or does the things that mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you both. Thank you. Darlene and Mark Siegel say their marriage was so bad, they were on the verge of divorce. And now, seven years later, they say they have the marriage of their dreams. It can happen. Here's a look at how they were able to repair their crumbling marriage and get the love they wanted. In about the fifth year of our marriage, things got very, very ugly in the house. There was constant arguing. There was constant verbal abuse. Nobody heard anything that the other person said, and nothing was accomplished, and nothing was resolved. When we used to play tennis together, and I would make a mistake or miss a shot, I felt so criticized. It embarrassed me, and it made me feel very small. It was horrible. I would call her a, a bitch. Every word imaginable I would use towards my wife. I felt that he had his foot on the back of my neck all the time, that he was always pushing me down and keeping me down. We had a very large argument one day, and Mark packed a suitcase and left the house and called me back and said, well, do you want a divorce? And I said, yes. And I got my own apartment and we, you know, separated for approximately nine months. It, it was a kind of a wake up call for me. And a friend of mine happened to be reading um, Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks. And I read the book and it made a lot of sense to me. I says, well, you know, this sounds interesting. You know, maybe we can give it a try. So we began using some of Harville's methods in our daily life. I felt bad for many years uh, as a child, feeling unimportant and invisible. And then I suddenly found out that I had married someone who treated me the very same way. Darlene and I come from two totally different places. I came from a childhood where I was totally controlled and smothered. She comes from a background where she was unheard. And we're both dealing with childhood wounds. The beauty about the simple, basic concept of dialoguing is that you are both getting heard. You can voice your opinion safely, even if you totally disagree with them. Being heard was probably the number one most important thing to me. Uh, it made me feel significant. It made me feel important. Uh, and it made me feel that what I had to say really mattered. I learned that we can disagree, and that's fine and it's helped me to honor my wife and treat her with respect and dignity. We have fun together. It's much more loving, much more connected. We love spending time together, and, and it's completely changed our, our whole life. I don't need an attorney on the court with me anymore. <laughs> Nowadays, I mean, we can just go out, have a good time. 
It's not that one of us can win and one of us loses. We both need to feel that we win and we both need to feel loved and we're willing to do the work that that takes. Well, to me, the most important thing to remember is to eliminate criticism, get negativity out of your relationship, replace it with dialogue so that you mirror, you listen to your partner, begin to see their point of view, begin to experience their feelings empathically. That's what we mean by connection. Mm -hmm. Connection dissolves all problems. And if you want to read more about it, of course, Harville's whole book, Getting the Love You Want, I think is one of the most important books you can have if you're in a relationship. And what's the book for children? Uh, giving the Love That Heals, a guide for parents. Giving the Love That Heals. That's all. We have to do that show, too, because I, you know, I don't even have children, and I thought it was really valuable right. information. Yes. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>